Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Det er blevet sommer. Politikerne er taget på sommerferie, og det er mange af altingets journalister også. Derfor sender vi to gange om ugen i hele juli og en del af august en sommerserie fyldt med interviews med nogle af de mennesker, som har markeret sig i den politiske debat i år. Samtalerne de er optaget live i vores podcaststudie på Bornholm i forbindelse med årets folkemøde. Og de er lavet af en række forskellige journalister her på Altinget, inklusiv mig selv, Karoline Tranberg. Jeg håber, du vil tage godt imod sommerserien indtil din almindelige Azure er tilbage i midten af august. Rigtig god sommer til dig og rigtig god fornøjelse med Altingets samtaler fra folkemødet. Welcome to uh, conversations from uh, Folkemødet. Uh, this is a conversation that is going to be in English because my guest in the studio right now is uh, the German ambassador to Denmark, Pascal Hector. Welcome. Hello. Uh, my name is Jakob Nielsen. Pascal Hector, you have been ambassador here in Denmark for almost a year now. And um, I thought that today I would like to uh, to talk a little bit with you about what is happening in uh, in Germany. Of course, that's a big question for a big country, but I think uh, two developments uh, stand out. One is um, one is the new government that uh, is in place, uh, the coalition government with the Social Democrats, the Liberal Party, and the Green Party. And uh, and I would like uh, to talk a little bit about what uh, that new government means, uh, not least for energy and uh, climate policy, because there's been some some changes uh, in that in that respect. And then also I would like to talk to you about the situation in Ukraine, for of course, because that has also really been a very big uh, moment of change in in German foreign policy. Uh, and uh, I would like you to help us understand that a little bit better. So with that introduction, welcome. Thank you for being with us. And let's start with the with the government. What has happened since uh, Germany got a new government when we look at climate and energy policy in as, as, as you see it? It's a very good choice to have these two subjects because I think they are uh, really uh, uh, in, intensely interlinked. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you can say that the first one, the energy issue, is a free choice of priority by the government. It has It is uh, among the first uh, priorities the new government uh, put for itself when it came to power in the end of last year. So it was not something that happened because of the war in Ukraine? It was a priority from the beginning? It was a priority from the beginning, Mm -hmm. uh, the priority of uh, what is called here the Grüne Umstelling, Mm -hmm. the Green Transition. Uh, because of as you know as you have said uh, there are three parties and uh, including the green and of course uh, the green transition is uh, one of the main priorities mm-hmm. um, and uh, so from the beginning on uh, to try to make um, uh, germany uh, co2 free until 2050 or not to try but uh, the project of doing so uh, was the main uh, priority of this government 
And um, it has been helped in a way, but we come to that later on, uh, through the fact that uh, with uh, the mm -hmm. war uh, imposed by Putin and the uh, uh, necessity of getting independent from Russian energy, uh, yes, so we because have the an, concurrent uh, trends here. Yes, because until now, I mean, that, that has been a, a conflict or a political issue for many years now, the fact that Germany was a, a, a leading uh, force in creating the, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline that was built exactly to make it easier to get Russian gas, I, I suppose, primarily uh, from Russia and, and into Europe. And also, as we know, Germany took some years ago a decision about ending uh, nuclear power What what is uh, the new government's uh, position there? Was there a was there a, a change in terms of the the opinion on nuclear power? And was the Nord Stream decision um, changed already before the, the the Ukraine war? So on nuclear power, there's no change of uh, position. It has been examined whether it would be a possibility uh, to prolong uh, these uh, plants, but it has been uh, shown that uh, this is not a realistic possibility because they are running out of fuel uh, so in order to and all this all the things have been planned for them to be closed down at the end of the year uh, so that's a thing that will remain mm -hmm. um, concerning uh, Nord Stream 2 and Nord Stream 1 before it's uh, true that uh, this was a an approach uh, chosen by uh, the previous and, uh, and and several previous governments um, to uh, rely on gas because there has been the had been the conviction that Russia uh, would be a reliable supplier but then uh, the political situation turned out uh, as it is um, and um, the uh, German uh, finance minister uh, Mr. Christian Lindner he has coined the phrase of uh, the renewable energies being freedom energies mm -hmm. and I think that is very true Uh, because uh, they end the dependency on fossil fuels uh, as fossil fuels, but they also end the dependency on Russian uh, mm -hmm. energy uh, altogether. And therefore, uh, as I said before, these are two concurrent... These uh, two are, are, are linked. Be before we go into the Russia and Ukraine discussion... Uh, Let's just uh, remind ourselves that, that actually the, the, the new chancellor, uh, Olaf Scholz, uh, has actually been to Denmark. And his first visit to Denmark was not to, to Copenhagen, as it would probably be, uh, be, be traditionally. Instead, he went to Espia. And why was that? Yes, because Espia is definitely the energy hub already today uh, for um, wind energy in the North Sea. And uh, it's uh, even developing this aspect. Uh, and uh, there has been the uh, summit organized by the state minister, Mette Frederiksen. Uh, she invited uh, the chancellor, uh, but also uh, the um, heads of government from uh, Belgium and the Netherlands, as mm -hmm. well as the president of the European Commission, uh, Mrs. von der Leyen. And um, they uh, 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 officialized uh, one of the biggest energy projects, uh, I think even in the world, at least for Denmark, by far the biggest, which is to... Um, ten double, so ten, ten times, uh, the um, wind energy production in the North Sea. Uh, so in 2050, uh, the, uh, ener the energy produced there is, would be sufficient to uh, supply all private households in the whole European Union, not in Germany or Denmark, but in the whole European Union, so this is a fantastic project, mm -hmm. and until uh, 2030, there's an intermediate goal 
uh, that is to uh, make it four times bigger than it is now. So four times uh, in until 2030, ten times until 2050. So this this sounds like a, a very big business opportunity for for Danish renewable energy sector and also as a project that potentially could uh, could strengthen the links between uh, Denmark and Germany and 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 the rest of the EU considerably over the coming years. Yes, it definitely is. Um, even um, so, you you have to to see. Uh, that uh, it will profoundly change the whole setting of uh, the industrialization in the in the area because uh, industry always follows energy we've seen that in germany in the ruhr region uh, it's not a, the, the reason why the ruhr region has been the industrial heart of germany in the 19th and 20th century is that coal was the energy of that century right. and coal is in ruhr so now the indu uh, industry places itself where they have access to energy yes yes mm -hmm. and now the energy the primary energy of the 21st century will be electric energy, wind or solar, but both, but here wind energy. And uh, so the uh, I think the industry will develop there where there is the energy, and that's definitely the North Sea Basin with uh, Denmark, with Germany, with uh, uh, the Netherlands, and with Belgium. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why uh, the Prime Minister, Mette um, Frederiksen, invited these four countries. <music> So we have a German government that from the outset was very focused on uh, putting more emphasis on renewable energy, getting away from fossil fuels also for, for, for climate reasons. We have an energy minister who is also the vice chancellor, who is actually also has, has very strong links to Denmark, Robert Habeck. What role does he play in the government? Yes, he is the vice chancellor, so the deputy of the chancellor. Um, and he... Uh, is the uh, economic minister, economic which minister, also yeah. includes the uh, the energy ministry. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the same same ministry. Uh, so he is really in a key uh, position, especially as concerns uh, the construction of renewable energy. Sources. And he's from the Green Party. And he's from the Green Party. Uh, and he's indeed very um, attached to, to Denmark. In fact, uh, he privately is often in, in Copenhagen. Um, recently has been in Louisiana, just on a very private thing, mm -hmm. uh, to give a little conference there. And uh, his, uh, he has studied in, uh, in Denmark, to my knowledge. And his uh, Roskilde, if I'm, uh, yes, if I'm I not think mistaken. So, yeah. Yeah. And his children are also uh, studying and, and living at least partly in Denmark. Mm. So a lot of Danish influence in German politics. We have Robert Habeck, who is a Danish speaker. And we also, for the first time, have... Uh, representative for the Danish minority in uh, Susleys, we represented in in the Bundestag in the German uh, Parliament in uh, in Berlin. Yes, indeed. And yesterday I had the, uh, the chance here on the Volkermüll to have a conversation with him. So indeed, ah, he's at the Volkermüll. Yes, well. he's at the Volkermüll. We okay. gave a, together a conference yesterday together with Pia Olsen Dürr. Uh, on the uh, relations in the Sonnerjylland and mm -hmm. uh, North uh, German uh, part. Um, and in fact, and uh, not only that, but in the local um, uh, parliament in Schleswig-Holstein, where there had been elections as well recently, uh, there are now four uh, members of the, this party of the Südschleswigsche Wählerverband, and they, that is a, a full uh, political group. Mm -hmm. So for the first time in history, uh, they have a full political group. Uh, this so the the Danish uh, the German Danish cooperation is really uh, strengthened at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
And now let's turn to to the last subject, which is probably uh, in some in some ways the 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 biggest and, and most complex and most important one, which is of course the war in Ukraine and the relation between uh, Russia and uh, and the rest of Europe. The invasion in Ukraine led to some very uh, dramatic and big changes in German foreign policy. What what actually happened after Russia invaded Ukraine in in February? Yes. The invasion uh, by Russia was really a fundamental shift in uh, international relations, a shift that by many had been uh, unthinkable, for many had been unthinkable uh, before, Um, because uh, we were uh, accustomed to the fact that uh, uh, all international relations were um, Mm -hmm. rules-based and uh, according to legal rules. Uh, whereas uh, Russia returned deliberately to a very old form uh, of politics, uh, power politics, uh, that was characteristic for the 19th and 20th century, and we had hoped that it was for the past forever, but it returned. So we had to react to that, and the Chancellor reacted very quickly and very decisively. Uh, So the invasion was, as you know, on the 24th of February, and on the 27th of uh, February, which is three days later, and which was a Sunday, there was a special uh, meeting uh, of the Bundestag uh, called together, and there he, the Chancellor, uh, held his um, Zeitenwende Rede, so time change uh, uh, speech, uh, where he um, put away uh, fundamental principles of uh, German foreign and security policy uh, of the last uh, 70 years, um, namely the fact that you should never, that Germany would never uh, deliver arms to a a war region, uh, and uh, it was, for instance, decided to provide uh, Ukraine with arms. Uh, it was decided to, um, in, whereas for for decades it was always scaling down the military, abrüstung. Uh, now there has been um, established a fund of 100 billion euro, 100 billion euro. Uh, that must be seven point seven hundred forty uh, billion kroner. Yeah. Um, and 250 milliarder to translate the figure into Danish. That yeah. is uh, a very large number. Yes. Um, and uh, the, even the constitution has been changed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, shows the, how profound this uh, change is in history. And um, yeah. And still, still there is a lot of criticism that Germany is not is not active enough in helping Ukraine and in engaging in in, in, in the conflict in Ukraine. Um, why is it so difficult for Germany and why is this such a big change? Yes, it is a very fundamental change because it's a, it's a, ch- a profound change of mind. So the whole mindset of German foreign and security policy has to be changed. That has to do with what I said earlier, the fact that we are now returning, at least in the relations to Russia, to power politics a mindset that uh, Germany did not have at all because the German uh, mindset on foreign and security policy was defined by the fact that Germany had been the aggressor in the Second World War. Uh, It is really this role, this very uh, uh, bad role uh, that uh, Mm -hmm. has been uh, deeply internalized and all uh, foreign and security policy of the last 70, 80 years uh, was uh, to... um, Uh, to make sure that never again Germany would be an aggressor Mm -hmm. and never again war would come out of German soil. Uh, And this is very good, of course. I mean, that's a very uh, important goal. But what hasn't been 
realized uh, then was that the aggressor can be someone else, that the aggression can come from the outside, and that in such a case uh, we need to defend ourselves, we need to defend our allies, and we need also to help possibly other uh, countries that are uh, attacked, like Ukraine at the moment. And for this you need military means. But this is such a profound change that uh, it does not come overnight and it needs it's it's not uh, just one speech in the bundestag and then it's it's all changed definitely not mm. i mean uh, you need a profound change uh, in the mindsets of many politicians uh, many politicians many uh, political deciders mm -hmm. and uh, this takes some time yeah i think it was a former foreign minister in poland uh, sikorski who who famously said that for, for 75 years or so we've been afraid of a strong Germany, now we need to be afraid of not having a strong Germany. Is Germany capable of becoming a, a strong nation again, so to speak? Of course, in many ways, Germany is a very strong nation, but, but also a strong power that uses its power. Um, well, on the, on the material side, uh, indeed, after uh, when these uh, changes will be implemented, Germany will, be, will have the biggest... Um, um, uh, Uh, military uh, expenditure in the whole of in the whole of Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, that's true, but uh, I think Germany will always be very anchored in this uh, fact: uh, never again war coming from German soil. So this mm -hmm. remains our uh, national identity, our DNA, our political DNA. Uh, it's not uh, the fact that we are now um, investing into military means does not mean that we are getting rid of that. And I think Germany will always. Uh, Uh, be very aware of its responsibility um, because of the historical uh, reasons uh, not uh, to um, conduct an aggressive policy. That's the fundamental difference between the Russian policy and uh, German and also European policy altogether, that we are defending ourselves against an aggression. Uh, and we are, not, uh, and we as Europeans, as Germans, uh, would never aggress uh, someone. Mm. Uh, whereas, unfortunately, we have to deal with an aggression that comes from the outside. And then finally, just uh, in these days as we're meeting here at the Folkemøde, something very important is happening in the European Union because there's a lot of discussion about declaring Ukraine a candidate country for the European Union, which of course means that there will still be a long, long process of, of many years before they actually eventually could become a member of the EU. But, uh, but could you finally try to, to look a bit into the, into the future with me and say, how do you think Germany will, uh, will, uh, uh, will handle this process of connecting not just Ukraine, but more potential candidate countries, linking them closer to the European Union after what we have seen uh, over this last half year? Yes, this is a very important process. The Commission has proposed that uh, Ukraine uh, becomes a candidate country and uh, uh, Germany as well as other countries as well, France, Italy, they had been together in uh, uh, Kiev, but also other countries are supporting this. Uh, I think this is a very important decision to be taken as soon as possible, at, uh, probably at the next uh, European Council, which will be next week. Um, and uh, the reason why it is so important is to give Ukraine a clear European perspective. Uh, to make clear that it is for the Ukraine, Ukrainians to decide for themselves what will be their political future and also give them the possibility to decide that and uh, so that they are not uh, uh, obliged to be mm. under Russian rule. Um, of course, uh, this is a long and uh, complicated process because, in fact, you have to change profoundly the whole 
uh, a whole country. I mean, everything in that country, the, the smallest rules uh, they have in their legal system must be EU compatible. Uh, and this is a tremendous task. Uh, it, it needs a lot of effort, uh, political effort, but also very technical effort. Uh, uh, enlargement negotiations, uh, you have to go through all the a key to all the, uh, the rules of the European Union and see uh, what uh, can be done. And uh, of course, Germany and all other European Union members will help now Ukraine mm. to do that process, uh, will help, of course, financially, but will also help uh, by um, co counseling them uh, so that uh, they can uh, make this huge transformation and become a, a prosperous uh, and free uh, and democratic member of the European Union in the future. And then as a very final question, let me just maybe put the, the most difficult one to you, because now we've talked about the, the, the changed uh, energy policy, climate policy of the new government. We've talked about Ukraine and the need to change our perception of Russia and uh, And a lot of the German industry, uh, which of course is driving the German economy, is actually dependent on Russian gas to to function. Is uh, how far is Germany ready to go in order to uh, to put pressure on Russia? Is it is it ready to actually cut off gas, even if it means a big energy crisis for German industry, with all the economic implications that would have? Uh, of course, uh, now uh, we have to be ready um, because it doesn't depend uh, necessarily on us alone. I mean, it's also the the other side that can they cut, could also the gas. cut the gas. Uh, and in fact, they are already playing with that, uh, making political uh, maneuvers at the moment to reduce the uh, the um, gas amount. And uh, ob obviously, they they can play with that and, and probably will do so. Mm -hmm. So in any case, we have to be ready independently of if whether we decide it to do it or whether the other side decides it. Of course, we need uh, other supplies of gas. We are working on that. Uh, there has been a energy partnership with Qatar. There has a, the U.S. is helping us very much uh, with uh, with gas, um, and uh, we are building uh, LNG uh, terminals uh, in, in, in Germany too. And uh, provisionally, we have ships. So yes, we are working on that. Uh, and the, the main, the strategic issue is the uh, renewable energy again. And there we come back to what I say, what we said in the first uh, place. Uh, that uh, uh, renewable energy is freedom energy. Freedom energy. Let's uh, let's uh, end on on that note. Uh, a government working for freedom energy. Pascal Hector, thank you very much for for coming by and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, Folgemøde. Thank you and very much. Uh, also, uh, thank you very much also for the opportunity to be here at Folkemøde. Folkemøde is such a, an amazing place, and I'm so happy. Uh, to have the chance to live here, uh, this uh, democracy uh, in real life uh, that is taking place here. Great. Thank you very much. Tak fordi du lyttede med til det her live interview fra Altingets podcaststudie på Folkemødet i Alinge. Du kan finde mange flere interviews i Azures podcast feed. Og hvis du har lyttet til alle vores Azure-afsnit, så kan jeg også anbefale to af vores andre politiske podcasts, nemlig Dekopol og Altinget EU. Dem finder du der, hvor du ellers finder dine podcasts. Jeg hedder Karoline Tranberg og rigtig god sommer, til vi lyttes ved igen.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.